way back when, in 2015. The movie screens featured the Academy Award-winning film called Spotlight, which told the story of a team of reporters in Boston who shattered the silence of decades-long scandal of abusing priests in the Roman Catholic Archdiocese. That year, in 2015, the movie screens also featured Avengers, The Age of Ultron. Spotlight grossed $98 million in domestic screening. Avengers, The Age of Ultron, grossed nearly a half a billion dollars. In fact, five of the top ten grossing films of the past ten years are known from what is called the Marvelverse, which are movies that are cinematic takes on long-standing comic book stories from Marvel Comics. In fact, nine of the 20 top grossing films of all time are films from that genre alone, which is to say that this franchise is a juggernaut, a cash machine for the studios that produce and make them. In other words, they can't produce these movies fast enough. But the one who really kicked us all into motion sits on a spot all by itself. Yes, the Avengers, the X-Men, Batman, Aquaman, Spider-Man, Wonder Woman, to name only a few, have legions of followers, devoted fans who follow multiple storylines and devour trivia and merchandise. Their movies cause lineups, and people camp out for days in advance to get a seat in the premieres. But none of them, none of them could quite have spent to the spot where Superman stands. Superman is by far the oldest of all these characters, the one with the longest storyline. Superman is the one who kicked off the movification of superheroes way back in 1978. Superman is the granddaddy of them all, and he is truly super in many ways. Not the least of which is that Superman has a Jewish story to tell. So listen well, my friends. Superman was first published in 1938, but he was created five years before by two Jewish artists from Cincinnati, named Jerry Siegel and Joel Schuster. And a carbon copies the immigrant Jewish experience of being an outsider, of looking like everyone else but carrying something inside of you that is different, of feeling chosen but being burdened, of feeling a call to repair the world of its ills even as the world turns against you. Add to that the layers of biblical narrative Superman arrives to Earth as a baby in a single pod that carries him through space safely. And then he lands on Earth and is brought to safety by a human family who tells no one of where he was from. Moses, as a baby, is carried into a basket on the Nile River, which brings him to safety when he is discovered by Pharaoh's daughter, who keeps his identity as a Hebrew a secret from everyone. But perhaps even more compelling is the choice of the names. The family that Superman comes from, they all have the word El as the suffix to their names. Jar-El, Ka-El. And the word El in, in Hebrew means God, which follows a long line of biblical names, some we read this week and some we read last week, that all name in the word El, Suriel, Nitan-El, Daniel, Michael, Gavriel. 
Superman has a name change and he hides it. He's no longer Kael, he becomes Clark Kent, which follows a long line of Jews who change Chaim to Henry's, Svi to Willie, Chaya to Anna, Reisel to Rose. European Jews with their light skin and Anglo-European features could easily hide scrutiny, at least for a little while. So Stanley Lieber becomes Stan Lee, the CEO of the entire Marvel Comics universe. Easter Danilovich becomes the actor Kirk Douglas. Superman has power with the ability to fly, strength, eyesight that can see through walls, and hearing that sees far beyond sight, which drew my mind to the exact place, to the exact place that your mind went to, the Haftorah this morning. See how I know you so well? The Haftorah for this morning is the story of Samson. If you don't know the story as it is told in the Torah, well, here it is. In a land far, far away, in days long before King David and King Solomon, but long after Moses had died and the Israelite nation was besieged in the land of Israel, they were besieged by their archenemies, a warlike tribe named the Philistines. When all seemed lost, a man named Manoach is visited by, the, by an angel and is told that they will have a child and this child will be blessed. The angel tells Manoach to make sure that the boy is raised as a Nazir, as someone who takes a vow not to drink alcohol or to cut their hair which they commit to doing. Baby Samson continues to grow with incredible strength along with the gift of leadership. He is able, we are told, to defeat wild lions and bears with his bare hands. The hated Philistines he can kill with no problem. The Israelites anoint him their leader and success is in their hands as the Philistines are sure to be destroyed. But then he meets a Philistine woman who would go on to be the title of Tom Jones' most famous song, Delilah. Samson has a relationship with her and you think that she seduces him to give her the secret of his power. But you'd be wrong. If you're running bets at the cottage this summer, this is a good one. You'll win it. The text tells us that she nagged him to death. She was a Philistine nudge and kvetch all rolling to one. Until he finally shuts her up and says to her, my strength, he tells her, my strength comes from my hair. But Delilah doesn't cut his hair. She actually hires a barber to do it. At other times when enemies have come for Samson believing he was in a compromised or weakened position, they would be surprised to find that that wasn't the case. They would come to find an empty bed where they were told that he had been sleeping, or they'd find him ready to wage war and defeat them when they were told that he was vulnerable. But the morning after his hair is removed, the Philistines overwhelm him. They put him in handcuffs and foot chains, and he is carried off to Gaza, the capital city of the Philistines. They celebrate that the power of the Israelites has been defeated. And with no hero now to defend them, that the Israelites will soon be defeated. At this time, Samson does not have the strength to resist them. He succumbs and falls into their hands. And as the story is read, we wonder, is this the end? 
I often wonder what strength is. Because I see people in so many different moments in their lives. I mean, we talk about strong people and weak people. We talk about people who are powerful and people who aren't. We assume that people with big bodies and muscles are strong. We assume that people with wealth and political connections are the ones that are powerful. We read stories of Superman and Spider-Man and other superheroes, and something happens which turns them into someone powerful. A spider bites them, or they live in a planet where the gravity is different from their home, that their strength is like Samson's hand, that is part and parcel of what they are and what we can see, that it is their flesh and their blood and their muscles and their sinews. But our question for this morning is, what if that isn't true? What if we have the story all wrong? What if strength is something different? We'll pause first for some prayer and music. But I promise you'll hear the end of the story. Please rise, page 368. So you've been waiting on pins and needles. Well, Hemingway, say that every, uh, Hemingway said that every true story ends in death, which is true, of course. But the story of Samson is uh, a story for all of us. So let me share it with you. He's seduced and falls in love and he shares the secret of the power from his hair and that his hair was not to be cut, which had not been done since the time that he was born, given that the word had come from the angel to his mother and father that no razor or scissor should touch his hair. He's carried off into Gaza. Yes, things repeat themselves. And there he is chained and fettered. His eyes are gorged out of his face. And he is thrown into a prison cell. The Philistines then throw a massive party. Thousands of people gather at the royal palace. In the courtyard, thousands more on the roof. And as the party reaches a fevered pitch, they call for Samson to come from the cell. And they bring him. But because he can't see, They have a leash to his neck, and a little boy is dragging him along the way. And they ask him to dance, and then they put him on display by these two massive pillars that support the building. And at that moment, Samson realizes the enormous gift that he has squandered. That he had such potential and opportunity in his life. And if he had only realized it at that moment. He takes a deep breath and he asks the lad, the young boy, if she would, if he would place his hands on the pillars so that he could rest. And the young boy agrees. And as Samson feels the pillars on his hand, he lifts his eyes to heaven and he says, Zachrenina. Remember me, which like all Jewish prayers is not as so much a prayer to God as it's a prayer to ourselves. By the way, those are also the words that we say in Rosh Hashanah. And as he finishes those words, he grips onto the pillars and they turn to dust. And the palace falls on top of all the Philistines who were celebrating and him too. So I want you to think about the deeper idea of the story. Not the simple one. This isn't some kind of magic trick. 
or a comic book story where his power comes from his hair. The deeper meaning of the story is, is that at the end of his life, in his final moments, Samson finally comes to realize where his real strength came from. His power didn't come from his muscles or from his hair. The signs of what he was able to do wasn't in his ability to defeat his enemies or to wrestle a bear to the ground. Samson's real power came from the strength of his mission, which is an idea for me and you, and that is any purpose in your life that is real can be transformative and powerful in your life. So I want to tell you a story. It's a congregant, a longtime congregant. Sadly, he's no longer alive. Let's call him Max. He was a Holocaust survivor. And Max told me that this is what he has told his mother. And I asked him how he had managed to survive the war. And when the Nazis came for me, he said, I told my mother that if you hear that I was hung or I was shot, it might be true. But if they tell you that I starved to death, don't believe them. Because if there is any chance to survive, I will. And Max told me that I believe then and I believe now that God wanted something from me. You don't need to be bitten by a radioactive spider or come from Krypton or have long, beautiful hair to be powerful in this world. What we need to do is to believe in something powerful. It's the mission that gives you strength. Shabbat Shalom.